Hey, if you enjoyed my episode on IEPs and you want to listen to more podcast episodes about IEPs, I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ertube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. You might have heard me talk about IEPs on my episode, and this latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I checked out these episodes, and I think that they are a great place for you to go after listening to mine. They go into a little more detail and answer a little more in depth about what an IEP is and whether your child needs one. So listen to Understood Explains by searching for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. Welcome to Struggle Care. I'm your host, Casey Davis, and welcome to this week's bonus episode. Earlier this week, I ran an episode called A Grief Observed, where I interviewed three different people and asked them the same questions about their experience in grief. This bonus episode is interesting because I actually had a fourth person that I interviewed, only this person, their loved one had not passed yet when we did the interview. They talk about something called anticipatory grief, and I asked them the exact same questions. So enjoy the interview. So I have with me now Meg Boberg, who I spoke to recently because her and her mother actually wrote an article together about anticipatory and preparatory Those are hard words for me to remember. Grief. Hi, Meg. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. So what is anticipatory grief? Other than a hard word to say. (laughs) Yeah, right. Anticipatory grief. Well, first of all, I came across the subject when I was writing for my previous job. I was writing for what was a company that does in-home care for elderly, the elderly, home nursing care and such. And I had to pick blog topics for them. So one was that I came up with was how do I, as the adult child, cope with my parents' incoming or upcoming death, rather, is how can I cope with that? And it came from my own experience because my own mother has a terminal cancer diagnosis. She was diagnosed in the spring of 2019. And so I didn't even know what it was called. I just knew that it was something I was experiencing. So I Googled it, like grief when someone hasn't died yet, because it is something that is, it's not conventional grief where, you know, you can go through the five steps and process it and then move on to the acceptance. I don't think anyone moves on from grief, but you can do a whole other podcast on that, Casey. But anticipatory grief is grief that occurs before the loss or during the loss. And you may be grieving several things at once, like at the same time, watching your loved one as change as they're going, moving away from what you knew and how you knew life as it was when they were their full vibrant self before their terminal diagnosis. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, there's not any rituals like our culture isn't great with death, but at least we have some rituals for after a person has died. But there really aren't any grief rituals for knowing that a person is terminal and that they're going to die and processing through that grief. Correct. It does make it quite challenging. I've joined some uh, support groups for children whose parents are upcoming deaths or terminal diagnoses, I should say. And you can lean on them a bit more because something we were said we were going to talk about, me and Casey, is 
how do you answer the question? What can I do when people are here? You're having a hard time because obviously I would think most adult children or children, children, anyone whose parent is dying is having a hard time. So they want to know what they can do, but they can't relate typically because death is such an uncomfortable topic. Nobody wants to think of their parent or anyone close to them dying, but you know, you only have one mother, you only have one dad. So I typically lean on those who, I don't even know them. It's just people online support groups and uh, they're the ones who I can lean on because they can relate to what it's like to lose someone or they are losing someone and they don't have the, I'll say quote unquote luxury of like the rituals, like you said, because that's something where you can get closure. Well, there is no closure when you're watching somebody wither away. It's terrible. So speaking of that question, we're asking everybody, you know, how do you feel about that question? What do you need? Or what can I do? I'm sure that you heard that a lot when your mom got her diagnosis. I have. And um, if you read the blog that will be linked with this podcast about anticipatory grief, it's my mom has had up and down health for the last about 10 years, but she's been diagnosed with her terminal diagnosis for about four years. And it's been a long road. So people do ask that occasionally. And sometimes the cynical part of me, which is a large part of me, is uh, I want to be like, oh, you're just asking that to fill the air, you know, but <laughs> I know a lot of people are sincere. And I will tell them, and it took me a while around my brain around what do I say? Because I'm like, I feel like people do have this notion that they want me to keep trucking because she's not gone. She's still there. Like, just act normal and adult, be an adult, <laughs> do what you're supposed to go to work, get your paycheck, pay your bills, you know, get everything done. But I feel like when they're asking, what can they do? I finally found my answer to that. <laughs> that helps me. I'm not saying this is universal to everyone going through anticipatory grief, but I say, please let me vent because I feel like it helps me get my thoughts out because it's all that's on my mind and left to my own devices. I probably would do what many other grievers do, which is sit and stew and <laughs> stare at a wall and dissociate, which I think is unhealthy and just let the water cups on my nightstand pile up, <laughs> which is a direct correlation, by the way, between my clinical depression level and <laughs> just, yeah, what's going on at the moment. It's just, I will sit and stew and bite my nails and just like get frenzied because there's nothing I can do but sit with my thoughts. So I let people ask me questions like, how's it going? What's going on? And how did you feel about that? Like they're not my therapist, obviously, but it's good to have somebody who wants to like talk through it with me, especially if they know my mom, because while therapy is great, she doesn't know my mom. So I talked to my mom's sisters. My mom is one of seven sisters, so of five of which are living still. And I talked to my mom's friends. I talked to Nancy Stordahl, who wrote, who writes the blog, Nancy's Point, which uh, the blog is we've been mentioning. And she's a great advocate for breast cancer, women with breast cancer and breast cancer survivors. And I just feel like it helps when uh, people let you speak what's on your mind. Because I know not everyone is comfortable talking about heavy topics like this. And I respect that. I'm sure people see the name of this very podcast. and like, oh, not going to hear that one. That one's too heavy. But <laughs> it definitely helps me. I listen to tons of podcasts just like this one because they help me 
hear other people's experiences. I'm like, oh God, thank God somebody else, you know, felt bad that they didn't get to go through any rituals either. You know, that it sounds silly, but it's like, I wish I could have some sort of closure, but there is no closure when they're still living. And it sounds bad too. It's like, ew, I want to have something for me when she's the one who's suffering. It just sounds bad to me. And I feel guilty and then feel ashamed of myself. So it's just compound emotions. Are you frustrated by buying your kids clothes and having them grow out of them within a week? Do they itch, pinch, and they just aren't comfortable? Well, then you need to check out Posh Peanut. Made from this amazing bamboo material, the clothes are legitimately so soft and they stretch with your kids as they grow. They are four times stretchier than cotton. Made to last, loved by parents, and approved by kids. Posh Peanut makes thoughtfully crafted, beautiful and stylish clothing for kids and families designed in-house from beautiful florals to all of your favorite brands, such as Hot Wheels, Disney, Hello Kitty, and Barbie. Their pieces are made with that ridiculously soft fabric, and it even stays soft, wash after wash after wash. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code STRUGGLE. Go to poshpeanut.com slash struggle and use promo code STRUGGLE for 20% off your first order. That's poshpeanut.com slash struggle, promo code STRUGGLE. I have a six-year-old that's really into learning. Learning books, learning apps, learning shows, but I'm really grateful to have found a learning podcast for her. From the creators of the hit kid podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited to a secret order of problem solvers. On an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. My kid really appreciates these. They're only 15 minutes long, and she can stay engaged. She likes the characters. It's perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kids won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. I've never met a free trial that I didn't like. The problem is, is that I often forget to get out of them before they start charging me. But I don't have that problem since I started using Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month, and I can clearly see my spending habits. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for you, up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll even deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of 500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash struggle. That's rocketmoney.com slash struggle, rocketmoney.com slash struggle. I hear the helpfulness in being able to, because even now it's like talking about what you're experiencing and even those like conflicting emotions helps you process through the what those emotions are and what they feel like. And that's kind of the only thing you have right now. 
right? In the absence of those other rituals, in the absence of quote unquote, you know, moving on, moving forward. So let me ask you this. When your mom got her diagnosis and as this, you know, progresses for her, is there anything that people have done or said that was particularly helpful to you? Well, People who have helped, even it surprised me because I posted something on LinkedIn, for example, on my LinkedIn saying, having a hard time, you know, going through family crisis and hashtag bereavement or hashtag grief and loss. And then like three people who I barely knew from a previous job reached out to me and they're like, they came with like five paragraph messages to me on LinkedIn about uh, how they could relate to what I was going through. Cause one of them said, Oh, my father recently died and I was the executor of his will. And we didn't even have a great relationship to begin with. And I just got a new job and I had a new baby and all this. And I was like, wow, it just gave me a whole new perspective on things about how complex grief is and the emotions behind it. And it just, it gives you like fresh perspective on, it's like you get kind of in your own world and how nobody's problems are as bad as mine are, but it's, it's not true. Other people have different flavors of problems. I mean, it, it does definitely like you get morose and like such saturated in how terrible your grief is, but then you see other people going through different types of grief you know, that really actually comforted me to read because read his thoughts of when I sent him blogs I've written or other things I've written about grief. And this was just a, an acquaintance. We'd sent like maybe a couple emails back and forth. And then he saw my posts on LinkedIn and he pinged me and a couple other people pinged me and they were like, follow this uh, death doula on LinkedIn. And I was like, what the ever loving F is a death doula. But then I, uh, found out then they are like pregnancy doulas or however you describe that. I don't have kids, but uh, they help you navigate the process of someone's death. So it sounds like an incredible service to me, but those were things that actually helped me that were constructive. And another thing was my aunt the other day, one of my mom's younger sisters, she's the eldest of the seven, by the way, asked me, what can I do? And I was like thinking again, like, you do. <laughs> I knew she's the kind that likes to be useful and she's a state away. So I said, well, you know, something you could do is my dad is her caretaker and my sister-in-law and I, well, I need to contribute more, but like to cook for them. So my dad doesn't have to do all the cooking. And I said, you could like give them a meal, you know, order something, take out for them and have it delivered. So that was something that I felt good about having somebody and she I'm sure felt good about contributing in some way. So just giving back to somebody when they're stressed out. It's not just when somebody's gone, like you need to, you don't need to, but it's helpful to pitch in and like, cause caretakers, that could be a whole other podcast for you is the grief that caretakers go through. Cause it is immense. I'm sure. And uh, the burden or not, I don't want to say burden cause that's so such a mean word, but the, what caretakers go through, it's incredible to watch them. I watched my own grandma, my dad's mom, care for my grandfather for a couple of years before he died. And it was just incredible to watch because he couldn't take care of himself at all. Like he had something called multiple system atrophy, which is kind of like Lou Gehrig's disease or at uh, ALS. And uh, he couldn't feed himself or go to the bathroom by himself or 
groom himself and she did all that. So now it's like my mom's loosened all that, but my dad is taking care of my mom in a lot of ways. So it's just interesting how that happens. But yeah, I think it's really cool to hear that people had kind of pinged you on LinkedIn, because like you mentioned, death is a really uncomfortable topic for people. And I can imagine that there are people that are like, Oh, I don't know her that well. I don't know if I should talk and not that everybody would, you know, would experience that the same way you did. But it's interesting to hear, you know, you saying like really talking about it, like having people talk openly about it, having people talk to you about it, even though you're, what is it now four years in, like, it's still a very present experience and topic in your life. Oh, yeah. And things change all the time. Her status, like, even on a monthly basis, things continue to evolve. Just, I won't get into the nitty gritty, obviously, but it's just always kind of heartbreaking to watch how things progress. And do you feel like you're witnessing just like thousands of little deaths over the past few years? Yes. Well, let me ask you this. Is there anything that somebody has done or said that was maybe well-meaning, but just particularly not helpful to you? Yeah, just like those people I had mentioned before, my cynical thought of filling the air of, I call them the hashtag thoughts and prayers type, just <laughs> <laughs> literally. I'm sorry for laughing, but it's a great, it's a perfect description. It's just the slacktivism and throwaway thoughts and prayers. And I did tell that aforementioned guy who I talked to on LinkedIn that I thought that about them. And he said, well, you know, some people just get uncomfortable with death and they're, they are well-meaning. I was like, I get it. But at the same time, I'd rather they just like, you know, figured out something a little more constructive to say, because that's just file that under column, you know, useless because it does nothing to make me feel better. It just makes me annoyed because I'm like, okay, the thoughts are nice, but, and the prayers, like when you're, a non-theist, it just, just grinds my gears. So <laughs> it uh, that bothers me. But uh, if it were to come to, and see, I haven't reached this spot yet, but if people were like, she's in a better place, I'd be like, ooh, you know? Cause, <laughs> like, I'm laughing because I was just watching an episode of Golden Girls, and Dorothy and her mother, Sophia, are like, you know, what, 60 and 80 years old? And I was like, they, like, everyone should be so lucky to have their mother around when they're 60. My own dad is 70, and his mom is 97, still kicking, still lucid, still with us. And I'm like, I won't be 70 with my parents, but I can't keep talking about that or I'll cry. So ask me something else. <laughs> <laughs> Remember in 2018 when Border Patrol separated thousands of refugee kids from their parents, deported those parents back to their home countries? while keeping the kids in the United States? Well, believe it or not, six years later, there are hundreds of families who have still not been reunited. Although we as a community may feel hopeless at times, I recently learned about an organization called El Otro Lado, which works to reunify families. They provide holistic legal and humanitarian support to refugees, deportees, and other migrants in the U.S. and Tijuana through a multidisciplinary, client-centered, harm-reduction-based practice. Since 2018, they've reunified over 100 refugee families ripped apart by Trump's zero-tolerance policy. Once reunited, Al Otro Lado helps each family find legal representation, housing, and the counseling that they need in order to heal and get on their feet. You can find the link to donate to El Otro Lado in the description of this episode or go to gum.fm slash charity and donate today. 
You can also consider volunteering with the organization, which offers opportunities that are both in-person and virtual. The best way to get involved is by filling out an application on their website, alotrolado.org slash volunteer. That's A-L-O-T-R-O-L-A-D-O. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, it's interesting. You know, I think when we think about grief, we typically think almost exclusively about when someone has already died. And as a culture, we're already really uncomfortable with death. So I can't imagine how uncomfortable people are with the idea of this anticipatory grief. And so I'm curious, how have some of your like closer friends reacted? Like, did you have anybody pull away? Did you have anybody really show up for you? Like, how have the people around you kind of been interacting over the past few years? People have been pretty good about it. I mean, I try not to dump on them all the time just because I know that's too heavy. And also, I don't want to talk about it all the time. I mean, there's not like constant updates. I feel like I spread it out between different people. Even my own boyfriend is like incredible sounding board and can lean on him. And sometimes I do call him at like midnight when he's in a dead sleep. And I'm like, ah, I'm freaking out. I need somebody to talk to. But uh, I try to, you know, use it when I'm really in distress rather than all the time. Because I know people have boundaries too, just like I do. And yeah, it's people are pretty good. People check in on me. And I try to utilize the people who check in rather than go to people randomly and be like, can I talk to you about death? Like, I feel like that's like the religious person who walks up to your door and asks you to join their religion. It's just so unwelcome. And or like, maybe they they have some agenda. And yeah, it's just Yeah, I try to know who to talk to and who is probably uncomfortable. Some people also, they may have actually lost a parent, but they don't want to talk about it with me because it's just too raw still. You know, that's what I'm trying to, that's why I'm glad you said you're going to talk to other people to get a more well-rounded perspective because I'm sure other, some people are listening to this right now and thinking, Meg, me, that's me, or is way off. She's just like cynical and talking about like how people, thoughts and prayers, people are assholes. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just, everybody's got their own opinion. And I am just one view of many. Well, I think that's important though. Like one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode in this way is because I think as a culture, you know, feeling uncomfortable with death and we see somebody that's had a loss or is going to have a loss and we want so badly to know what the right thing to do is. We want like the script, like what is helpful, what isn't helpful. And the truth is, is like something that one person finds helpful, another person might be annoyed, just like 
out of control about. Like one person may love, you know, I have family members that say like, please do not bring me food. Like, please do not. I hate that. And then other people would say like, God sending a meal is the best like burden you could take off my back. And I think it's really powerful to hear people as individual, unique people going through this experience of grief and loss, because at the end of the day, you know, us wanting the right thing to say is really about us and our discomfort. And I think what we're called to do when the people around us are mourning is just engage in this human, messy human experience, knowing like, I might not do it right. I might not do exactly what you said. And I might say thoughts and prayers and you get annoyed with me and that's okay. Yeah. I don't blow up at those people. I just kind of roll my eyes internally and I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. You know, (laughs) and you get to have that experience and it's not about me. You know what I mean? I don't have to worry that much about, you know, oh, it wasn't exactly what she wanted to hear. Like you just, I think. I think saying something at all is better than saying nothing because some people say nothing. Like my mom, I know herself has had some people who were good friends who have just sort of withered away, like gone off the, like out of her life because I think it's too hard to deal with watching a former BFF go through something so like drastic as cancer. I mean, it's hard, but that's pretty crappy to be like, oh, I'm just going to step back or step away completely because what you're going through is too much for me. And I think that's been the only like consistent answer between everyone that I've talked to is the only thing that is definitely not helpful is just disappearing. If it's someone you have a relationship with, right? Like just being so uncomfortable or so worried that you're going to get it wrong that you just don't engage at all. Yeah. And I've heard this about like, I can bring up other topics that are unrelated to grief. Like for somebody like a friend who was transitioning, you know, from one gender to another and like people are like, Oh, get talk to them because that's awkward and new name. And what the hell? Like if I were to get, married and changed my name nobody would be like oh that's too awkward can't call you by your new name anymore it's like just get hip with it deal with it and just make the effort i'm sure they're not gonna freak out at you if you accidentally drop the wrong name just apologize and move on and you know make the effort effort is always appreciated even for me make the messy human effort yeah make the messy human effort that's the perfect way to put it (laughs) Well, Meg, thank you so much. This has been a really insightful and helpful contribution to this conversation. And I wish you and your mother peace in over the next few months and years, you know, in whatever way that you can grab at it. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. And we'll link that article that we mentioned down in the show notes if you guys want to check that out. I also noticed in the article that there were some worksheets that you and your mother had filled out to help process through some of those things. And so there's some cool resources on that blog. You guys go check it out. Thanks, Meg. Thank you. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) 
Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.